Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and my guest today is the branch manager of Pivotal Financial Advisors, Parker Consul. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast, Parker. It's my pleasure. You know, I know personally a lot of your story because you and I have known each other for a long time, but our audience deserves to hear the story of your inspiring journey directly from you. So let's just start with you giving us a glimpse into how you got started in the profession and what you did to get where you are today. My dad had been a pilot in the Navy in the Second World War, so I was always attracted to the Navy. And when I got finished with high school, I was fortunate to get an appointment to the Naval Academy. And I went there thinking I was going to fly like my dad did, only I found out that I got terribly airsick. So I became a submariner instead. <laughs> and I did that for 25 years uh, all over the world. And then uh, retired from the Navy and went to work in the retail brokerage business. I really liked the Navy. I liked taking ships to sea, but I was not enamored of nuclear power, and I just didn't see working in that continuously. So I did a career change and got a new job and moved into financial planning. And I did that with the company up until 1994. I started in Norfolk, Virginia, and then they moved me to Newport News as a branch manager there. And then I got this call that said, only you can do this job in the home office, which happened to be in Fort Worth. So I moved to Fort Worth. And I don't know what that one job was because I had seven different jobs in eight years. <laughs> and then I just kind of got tired of the, uh, the corporate side of the business and retired. And that lasted about seven months when my wife, Gail, politely informed me that it was okay if I retired, I just couldn't stay home. <laughs> or as she put it, other ways, I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch. <laughs> Go find something to do. That's right. Monty had already plugged in with you guys, and I joined him, and that was in 2009. And we have just grown a pivotal financial advisor since then. So that's my story of how I got in the business. That's fantastic. Everybody has a unique journey, I've learned, and I know you do too. You talk to a lot of other financial professionals those that are with your organization as well as prospects, right? You were a career changer for all intents and purposes, which is a big, unique path to get into our business. So let's talk a little bit about what, what kind of adjustment was it to make that career change? I guess the first one being nuclear engineering to financial services in particular, or the military into financial services. And then also what I heard you just describe is the, the second, perhaps, career change, which was corporate into being a financial planner. So talk about the adjustments that you had to make and the challenges that you, perhaps obstacles you had to overcome. Well, in the first transition from the being a submariner to being a financial advisor, on the surface, those seem vastly different. I mean, a submarine's highly technical. It's designed to blow things up. You are pitted against people who are very intelligent, who have very capable systems, and you operate in the most dangerous environment in the world, in the deep ocean. Financial advisory services don't have all those things. So on the surface, not much overlap. But when you look at the core values, they're very similar. For example, integrity is a key component of how you have to operate in the submarine service. You have to depend on people 
to do the right thing even when nobody's watching. Uh, you have to depend on them to tell you the truth even when the truth hurts. And it's the same in the financial services industry. Without integrity, you have no future in the business. Whether that's integrity with the people you work with or with your clients or with the regulators, you, you have to have a core ba value of integrity. You have to be committed. In the submarine service, you have to be committed to the service. You have to be committed to the ship. You have to be committed to your shipmates. And only then do you have time to think about what's best for you. So it's very important that you operate in a manner which will give the greatest opportunity to success to the ship secondarily to your shipmates, and finally to yourself. Well, commitment is also very important in the financial services industry. The financial services industry sort of is in the marketing arm of the financial industry in the country, which is the backbone of what our economy is based on. And it has to be transparent. It has to be fair to the investors who are putting their money forward. You have to make a commitment to that industry. I think you have to be committed to the people you work with. You have to try to make them the best they can be. And finally, you have to be committed to your clients. If you're not committed to your clients, you'll, you will fail. Another area of very significant overlap, you have to learn your job. I mean, the submarine force, that's pretty obvious. But in the financial services industry, you have to learn your job. And it's a daily event. Uh, the last two years alone, we've seen the DOL rule come and go, the Regulation BI, the best interest analysis. So it's not a static set of things that you have to learn. They change all the time. That's the same between the submarine force and the financial services industry. You have to have a continuous learning process. Secondarily, you have to share what you learn. In the submarine service, we used to call it, you're training your relief. You're training the people who are going to take your job when you move on. Well, in the financial services industry, it's not quite the same but you're training people to be successful in their chosen employment, their lifetime work. You're, you're educating clients to be successful in their financial journey through life. So sharing what you know is a critical part of the activity to be successful in both areas. You have to develop leadership. Like I said, in the submarine force, that's pretty straightforward, but in the financial services industry, if you're not developing the leaders who are going to take over your business, who are going to work with the clients when the reps that currently have the clients decide to retire, uh, that are going to provide continuity at Cambridge or in the individual reps business, if you're not developing that leadership now, it's not going to be there when you need it. And finally, communications. Communications are critically important as a submarine. If you don't communicate well, people die. Well, it's not quite that grave in the financial services industry, but if you don't communicate well, people will fail, people will get frustrated, people will not be prepared. Communication allows people to prepare so that they can provide the backup that you need to get the mission accomplished. So a lot of overlap in the core values between the submarine service and the financial services. I started out as a retail representative. I worked with people in the military helping them develop a financial plan and investments in insurance. When I came to the broker-dealer's home office, I learned about the corporate side. And I worked mostly with advisors. And it turned out I kind of liked that part of the business 
more than working with the clients directly. I really liked working with advisors. So when I started working with Mahdi at Pivotal, that was our business model, was to work with advisors. So we don't work with individual clients. I mean, my wife and my kids, my wife was a client, my kids are clients. But that's not our business. Our business is working with advisors. And so that's really what I like doing. And I was just very fortunate to be able to plug into Cambridge early on and, and build a business with, with you all. That's great. Fascinating perspective. Interesting that very recently, do you remember an event that we had? Don't remember which one it was, but it might have been the one we were together at last in February before all of this. I feel like February was five years ago at this point. <laughs> so we had a speaker by the name of Jason Redman. He was a Navy SEAL. Did, do you, did, were you at that event? Do you remember him at all? Yes. So he wrote a book, not the one that he handed out at our event, which I think was his most recent one, but there's another book he wrote called The Trident. I don't know if you read it, but it went into some of the leadership similarities between his experience and just general leadership, almost very much like what you just described. And it really resonated with me, at least in the last six months, because while on one hand, you could argue that COVID is nothing close to war. It is a war in some ways. It has felt like, you know, our, uh, the country and, and every company has had to kind of leverage things that we've learned from a leadership perspective to lead our employees and our financial professionals through the challenges that COVID has presented. And I really found a lot of inspiration from that book and how he described the difference between leading and being in being a Navy SEAL versus leadership in the real world. And you just hit the nail on the head as well. So you're definitely singing a tune that I've come to appreciate greatly over the last five months. So let's pivot a little bit and talk about your financial professionals that you have in your organization. What percentage of them, or it can be numbers or percentages, whatever kind of statistics that you have, but how many of them served or are currently serving in the armed forces? And then talk about what's special about that model, about you being able to work with those individuals that you have so much in common with and who you know, really served us and hopefully now are able to transfer their skill sets similar, in a similar way to how you did. Well, when I first started out in the business, 100% of my clients were active duty military or previous military. Since I've moved over to the Cambridge side, I would say that maybe 20% of our advisors have some military experience, which kind of reflects the, the population in general. The percentage of people who have served in the military has steadily gone down over the years. The all-volunteer force, a great tool, but it kind of reduces the exposure of a broad section of the American public to military service. And so they don't, they don't become veterans. The people that do come to us as veterans probably have that same ethic of, of integrity, commitment, know your job, work hard, do what the boss says, develop leadership. So it's, it's a very homogeneous group, if you will, based on core values. But interestingly, they all come to their job in a different way. They all have different business models. They all have different strengths that they bring to their business. They're all independent business owners. They all do business under their own name. 
And so what's nice about Cambridge is the flexibility to support all those different business models and not put constraints on the business model that the, that the representative feels most comfortable with working on in his business model. So you're talking there about our core value, our collective core value of flexibility. Setting that aside for a second, is there an ideal definition of a financial professional that you and your organization are looking for? There is, and it's, it's somewhat broad. Probably the first criteria is we want an individual who wants to work for themselves, to be their own boss, to build their business the way they want to build it. We try to keep them between the guardrails from a compliance standpoint. We help them learn. Like I mentioned before, it's so critical in this business. But how they interact with clients, how they present themselves, they need to have the drive to do that. It's not sufficient to want to do that. You have to want to do the work to be able to do that. So we want people who have the internal motivation to be their own boss and run a successful business. That's criteria one. Criteria two is we want somebody that has some experience in the business. We are not looking for somebody who we need to teach what an A share is and what a C share is and the difference between a commission account and a managed money account. We don't get that basic. We would like somebody that's got some years in the business and understands the the basic core structure and foundations of the business. And this is really somewhat optional, but we would prefer somebody who believes in the financial planning process. Not necessarily that creates written financial plans, though that would certainly suffice, but somebody who goes through the planning process, sort of the six steps that the CFP uses. Meet meet with the client, see if there's a, a fit, gather the information, develop a plan, present the plan, follow up on the plan, that process. We would want somebody that wants to do that. We're not really, we would prefer that to somebody who's just a product seller. Knowing that your ideal financial professional is somewhat seasoned, do you find, even with that, that you have to provide some business coaching, practice management to, to some of them along the way? Absolutely. And it depends on what the background of the person is. Some people have been running their own business just through another broker-dealer, and that broker-dealer got in their last nerve. So... Cambridge is is a very welcoming place and they can continue to do their business and they don't need a lot of business development. Conversely, if you bring somebody in that's experience was in a bank broker dealer or an insurance company broker dealer, they probably were wrapped in a cocoon that didn't have them to have to do much business development. And so we work with them extensively to work on client acquisition, client onboarding processes, how you go through the process as an independent business owner when you don't have all those things provided to you through the the broker-dealer that you were with. Have you changed any of your approach in the last eight months? Interestingly enough, our approach earlier, because most of our reps are not in the same building we are, our, our approaches had been virtual from the beginning. We did most of our recruiting and onboarding on the telephone or some go-to-meeting meetings. So the last eight months really hasn't changed that very much. We continue to 
recruit and onboard and transition reps virtually. That's great. I think you are unique in that way because not everyone was equipped right at the, I don't know what the actual day was that I feel like everything kind of fell into a different world, but sometime in March, right, depending on which state you were in and those kinds of things. And not everybody was equipped to do that. So you were probably ahead of the game for sure, because a lot of advisors, financial professionals, and organizations had to actually take a step back and think about how to put those processes in place. And it sounds like you were able to put the pedal to the metal and keep on trucking. Yeah, we were very fortunate that we had developed that whole process from the very get-go because most of our reps aren't even near us. They're not even the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We have reps in 30-plus states, so it had to be virtual from the beginning. It's a great point that if financial professionals who serve clients or organizations such as yours who serve financial professionals, either one, the more they leverage technology to do things virtually, the wider their market can get. And you guys have been really successful in that. I I believe that's true. And I also think going forward, the need to leverage technology will increase even for reps with their existing client base because they will have gotten used to doing so many more things virtually that they'll want to do more of their financial planning activities virtually. So I think it's important that reps get familiar with GoToMeeting or Zoom or some other virtual meeting tool because I think more and more of their clients are going to want to interact that way now that they've begun interacting that way in so many other areas. I think you're right. I couldn't agree more. So I'm going to change directions one more time here and ask you to talk to us about your hobbies, what you do when you're not working, what's the most important thing in your life. I'm pretty sure there's three adorable grandchildren that are on that list, right? But tell us a little bit more about Parker the person. Well, Parker the person is looking forward to spending a lot more time with my son and daughter and their families than we were able to do before. My wife's medical condition pretty much precluded travel for a long time. So I'm kind of in a transition phase where I was spending most of my time taking care of her and now I have time to do other things. I just haven't really filled in the time with other things yet. I like reading, I like traveling, spending time with the family And so I'm going to expand those activities first and see where that leads to. Tell us a little bit about your family. So you have a daughter and a son. Both of them also are in the military, correct? Yeah, that's an interesting story. The Navy was dad's thing. They didn't want anything to do with it. So my daughter, junior in high school, she was looking for employment opportunities. She was was going to be a vet, and then she worked for a vet over the summer, And she said, all we did is spay, neuter, and euthanize, and that's not what I want to do. But she was doing, she was doing health sciences. So I, she was on the computer. I said, well, you know, look at the Navy. They got a lot of environmental jobs that you might be interested in. So she did that. One thing led to another, and she went up to the recruiting office, took the uh, officer's test, went back, got the results. The uh, recruiter says, well, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, but the only thing you can't do is fly. And she says, why can't I fly? And she says, well, the aviation portion of the test wasn't high enough. So my daughter went back to college 
and unbeknownst to us, took private flying lessons. <laughs> Went back, retook the test, and became a Navy pilot. A little competitive nature there, perhaps? Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> the apple didn't fall far from the tree. And my son, he went through uh, college, not really sure what he wanted to do, got out, worked a couple of jobs, didn't like that, finally decided, well, you know, maybe the military's not so bad, and ended up in the Marine Corps. So, again, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's right. That's right. Well, maybe that means that one of those grandchildren will become involved in financial services. Maybe so. We need the next generation, Parker. We need that. I know. <laughs> That's great. Well, Parker, thanks for being with us today, sharing your story, giving so much valuable advice to those who perhaps are considering that career change and getting into this noble business that we're in. I absolutely love the American flag behind you. For our audience, they this will be a podcast. They will only hear our voices, but I feel it's important to let them know that you and I can see each other right now, and you're in a perfect spot for the career and the life that you've led with that flag behind you. Thank you for your service. And you are truly a great example of Cambridge Stronger. I'm so pleased to have you on this podcast so that you could share your journey. And is there any last words that you'd like to say before we close? Well, thank you for offering me. It's a pleasure to contribute. And I can't tell you how happy I am to be associated with Cambridge. We are family. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine, inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. If you like what you've heard, please give us a review and head on over to our blog for more content at cambridgestronger.com. That's cambridgestronger.com.